This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. go, go. This is what I got to say. Hey, welcome to the very last episode of our summer season of the Authentic Entrepreneurs. Just me here today, uh, my friend Nick, co-host Nick is up in Belleville doing whatever he does up there, running his companies, being awesome, being a dad, kicking butt, taking names. But I'm down here today to share a very special episode of the Authentic Entrepreneurs as part of our summer series. This is with uh, the late, great Sean Stevenson. He recently sadly passed away, um, but Sean has a story that every entrepreneur should hear, should see, should be part of. Um, Sean was given 24 hours to live. Uh, he defied all the odds and lived to, uh, to 39 years of age. Um, this podcast covers all sorts of great things like of his journey his story his adversities his his view on life his view on on victimhood his view on you know what what his dreams and goals were um and you know it's just such a a great podcast because sean really does give you that perspective we talk about a lot here on this podcast about sometimes as entrepreneurs like oh woe is me you know victimhood my followers are weak Uh, i don't have enough people buying my service or product or whatever it is uh, and then you meet Sean, a guy who's literally not supposed to be on the planet living, and he is still doing it. He's he's kicked. Well, he's he's did it for thirty nine years, and he just did such 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 you know energy and such kindness and such um, you know just no excuses. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a human being, and you ever feel down, that's okay. But perspective is so important. So please take the time to listen. To this podcast, I strongly suggest you throw up on YouTube and watch the uh, podcast as well because you have to see Sean to understand. Um, you know, he was less than three feet tall. He he lived most of his life in a wheelchair, uh, but he defied those odds every single day and spread his message of hope and energy and every. Oh, what a great human being! He worked in the White House with President Clinton. I mean, he's got what a journey. So I strongly encourage you to watch it as well as listen to it and. Uh, you know, and by the way, Nick and I, we are back next week with season two, um, and we are pumped up. We have lots of new guests. We got some new production coming on. We're going to really ramp up season two. We're going to knock it out of the park. So make sure you you have subscribed to the podcast. You know that comes out next week. Our first podcast. We're now shifting to a Monday release of the podcasts. That's why this one's out on a Monday to get you warmed up for that. Um, and then finally, just um, you know, just really uh, keep being authentic. And, you know, from all of us at The Authentic Entrepreneurs and YLCC, uh, we send our condolences to Sean and his family, his wife Mindy, and everyone who had a chance to listen to him, see him, meet him. You were so blessed. Um, so enjoy the podcast. It's a wide-ranging conversation. And I cannot wait next week to be back with you and Nick and I in the same studio doing season two. Until then, keep being authentic. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So a little bit of background on your journey. So tell me, um, you know, where, 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 where are you from? Tell me also, so tell, where, tell, where does it start? Where does the Sean Stevenson story start? Uh, started in a hospital room in uh, LaGrange, Illinois, which is outside of Chicago. And my parents basically were told, your son's going to die. He's got this rare disease. I was raised from one hospital to the next. Uh, I spent the beginning part of my life in a hospital by myself. Um, And back in the day, they 
wouldn't let the mother come see the baby until all the clearing, you know, doctors were given the thumbs up. So uh, I'm sure that was pretty traumatic to my family and myself as well. Um, but then once I made it past those first 24 hours, then they said, well, he's going to die in the first week. And then I made it past that. He's going to die in the first month. And at some point they're like, I guess he's sticking around. I mean, so uh, just taking on the odds from the start. And when I got to uh, high school and uh, started becoming a speaker, started sharing a message of what it's like to overcome odds. And then that grew to talking about success and business and sales and confidence and you know, I've been doing this for 23 years now. Let's just go back a bit. You, I know when you were in high school, um, you were an involved student. You're an active student, right? Am I correct on that? Absolutely. So, what were you? What was the kind of the things that? What was the first thing in high school that you were like this? You found you wanted to do. What was that first connection in high school? Well, the first thing I did Maybe is it was middle school. Uh, yeah, um, I really didn't uh, come into my own until high school. Uh, middle school, I was popular. I had the the pretty girlfriend and I thought it was awesome but then when I got to high school is when I really stepped it up and wanted to do something big uh, that would get me noticed uh, in my community and so I ran for student uh, student council vice president as a freshman and won and I was vice president for a year and then my next year uh, I ran for treasurer and then I finally ran for president and got into. Um, can I pause? So I can, did, you, did you win president? I did not. Did not. What was your? Did you have a campaign slogan when you were running? Did you have mm -hmm. that? Yeah. yeah, wheels not heels. Wheels not heels. Yeah. So what, was the, what was that like? Wheels not heels. It wasn't the thought. It, it was like you know, look, look, you know, like all these other candidates are walking. They got. That's how they get their their uh, motion. I'm I'm the wheel guy. You so know. The differential was the fact that you were rolling yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I'm here to wheel my spiel. Wheel my spiel. Great. So. Did you have a speech that was like. When was your first speech you ever did? Uh, fourteen. 14 your first speech. Yeah. Uh, it was to a, a neighboring school, and I was paid $75. My first speech, I was 21, and I got 50 bucks. Whoa. And I had to split it with my speaking partner. Okay. So I made 20 fuck, 25 bucks each Canadian. Sure. So that's like 9 cents US. Yep, so yep. It was nothing. But anyway, sorry, I digress. So um, so you went to president, you didn't you didn't win. I didn't win, but I, but I am glad in the big picture... No, I'm not. I'm not glad. It still bugs me. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think so. Just because uh, it meant so much to me. But, you know, the, the motivational part of me who sees the big picture of life knows that uh, everything had to unfold the way it did. Because then I went on to uh, run for something called Boys State in the U.S. by, by American Legion. And I won governor out of a thousand kids. And then that... What's that? What grade? What grade? I would have been a, uh, uh, let's see, 11th, 11th grade. So then, because I lost student council president, I went on to go uh, win governor of this other organization that then led me to meeting the president of the United States, then led me to working at the White House and all the other parts of my story. So uh, it had to happen, but it's still, looking back on it, that version of me would have much rather have won. Because yeah. uh, it was... It, I had spent, uh, most kids, you know, they, they want to get into athletics or the music or this, that, and the other. I was politics all the way. I wanted to be the uh, student body president because student body president got to speak at, because uh, he's the valedictorian, so the best in the class, and the student body president could address graduation. Well, I knew I wasn't going to be the val valedictorian because that wasn't my uh, my 
school or my abilities, really, but I knew I could have, have my shot at president. Didn't get it, but I was also very involved in our, um, we had a television station on campus, so I, I was a director of, uh, we had a soap opera that I ran. Actual soap opera. An actual you know, soap opera. Uh, it, was, it was a monthly thing. Yep, so because it would take a month to what gather all the footage. Living through high school. LTHS was also the acronym for our school, Lions Township High School. And uh, it, was, it was really fun. I was director, producer. I wrote the script. I got 22 actors from the, the campus to, to play along with it. Uh, filmed it, edited it all myself. And I was actually going to go on to uh, do television production in uh, university, but uh, it turned out that I went the political route instead. Wow, that's a lot of work, because back then, you're not, you know, there's no iMovie, you're not doing that. No, no, no. This was VCR, tape yeah. to tape, reel to reel. Holy smokes. So you're done high school. Yep. You go where next? I go on to DePaul University in Chicago. I was accepted to Columbia and was going to go into film, uh, but then at the last minute I veered and went the political route because I got to meet the president, and I thought maybe I could be the president of the United States, this is what I'm going to do. Really, at this point, you're still thinking? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, if truth be told, there's still, now that I'm 38, I'm three years into doing this thing potentially, because you only have to be 35. Yeah. So there are days where I see our U.S. President, you know, presidential candidates, and I think I think Why I would have a, a better impact on this Why planet. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I wouldn't rule out uh, some type of office at some point in my life if, if the uh, opportunity came about. Now, that's interesting, because politics is obviously... I mean, I think everyone who gets in politics thinks they're going to make a difference. You know, I really think that when Barack Obama got elected, he was like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change everything. And then he gets there, and he's like, this is not what I wanted to be. Well, one can make the argument that he did make a difference. Oh, I'm not saying he did. Yeah. I'm saying, like, his... his it's like, not what he thought. He's not what he thought. Like, he but that's like, all, yeah. all positions in life, you know? There's times in being a speaker that it's not what you think. You know, everybody thinks that being a professional speaker is what you just saw on stage with me. Mm -hmm. That's not what professional speaker is, is all the marketing and sales and emails and, and going to events. Like I, I went all the way to Switzerland. I waved my fee to do that in Switzerland and I met you there. Yeah. And most people don't know that like you sometimes have to go to the other side of the planet, do some things for free to then get a paid gig, you know? So it's an investment. Yeah. So you're, you're at DePaul, you graduate. Yep. What's next? You graduated well, with what? Uh, in political science, science. yeah, and uh, so I was a poli sci major, had enough uh, electives to also have a, another major of uh, psychology, loved psychology, but this whole time I continued to do speaking, you know, for money, right. and uh, what was cool about it, what... But back then you were speaking to students mostly. Yes, all students, all students. yep. Occasionally I would speak to a hospital, or I would speak at, like, um like a convention or something every once in a while, maybe a small company, but it's mostly, I spent 12 years speaking just to kids. And, uh, you know, what would happen is because I was in college and taking classes, I would leave my, remember the little cassette tapes? Yes. I would leave my little cassette tape recorder on my desk with my friend to leave on my desk, I should say, while I was somewhere in the country giving a speech to another university or high school or elementary school and then I would have my buddy uh, when I would come back to town give me the tape so I could listen to the lecture again take the notes to pass the exams and some teachers loved it because they were like wow you're out there making a difference you. and you're doing on my class some teachers were like you weren't in my class 
you aren't going to do well here. So I had to navigate teachers. I've had to navigate um, challenges that people don't think I'd have to na navigate. Like people think, oh, you must have got bullied and teased growing up in school. A little bit, but more of the challenge was dealing with my friends' parents. Like they would say things like, well, we don't want our children hanging out with Sean. They would either say to me, we don't want them hanging out with you or to my parents, we don't want them hanging out with Sean because he, they won't get the exercise if they're not outside or, or they're just going to get, uh, their brains are going to turn to mush playing video games. And so there were a lot of times where parents would talk my friends out of being my friend. It made me angry, but it more made me sad, like, because I didn't feel like they were seeing the big picture that I was going to teach their kids other things than just playing out in the woods. They would have enough time to do that with other friends. So, you know, you, you learn to navigate challenges as they come. Yeah, yeah. So you graduate. Yep. All done university. Yep. Next. Next, Next was, chapter. well, because I continued to speak. Yeah. So now I'm starting to make as much money as my professors as a professional speaker. So I was like, well, I already got a gig here. I got a speaking career. So I just continued to develop and I started speaking to corporations. At some point, and this is going to sound bad, but I'm just going to say it. At some point, I aged out because the girls I was interested in, I was way older then, and that just became weird and wrong and illegal, and so you just don't want to go down that road, right? So then I was like, all right, maybe I should start speaking to companies because then these women I could meet and talk to. And finally, the best thing that ever happened to me is when I got married because I could just stop thinking about that and actually just be a professional speaker. Right. And as embarrassing as that is, it's the truth. What's your next speech? Uh, in Denver, Colorado tomorrow. For who? Uh, the, um, the Cayman Islands uh, Travel Bureau. So different. A little different. A little different. Yeah. Do you, is the message similar? Similar message, yeah. Some of the stories might change a little bit, but the message is still the same. You gotta be your own best friend. Uh, you don't wanna throw the shoe back at, at people. Uh, your customers are people that, they need to know you care about them before they will give you any money um, and you actually do have to care about them. What do you feel, What you know, I have a friend of mine who speaks and uh, he says he does corporate work, this sounds weird, he does corporate work to buy his Audi. Yep. He does student work to fill his soul. Mm -hmm. So where, where are you in that spectrum? Do, 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 the, do the youth audience like today, is that, how's that differ to you? Like for you? That pays my groceries. No, Buys <laughs> <laughs> me a Starbucks coffee. <laughs> So what's the difference? Um, well, every audience brings a different feeling to me. You know, like when you were playing your, the introductory video at the start of the event, I was tearing up and I was thinking, you know, I don't speak very often to the youth uh, because my schedule is so busy with adult talks now that it's good to every once in a while come back here, you know, and uh, it was a little bit of a hike to fly to Toronto and then drive at 10 o'clock at night uh, two hours and I, I was cold and I'm, I'm with my wife and I'm like why are we doing this and then I hit the stage and I see these beautiful smiles and the future of tomorrow and I'm like this is why we do yeah. this yeah as a speaker I think too, often people don't realize they, the stage is where you love to be but getting to the stage yeah is the tough part absolutely um, so okay let, let's let's go on from here so um, what is it like what is it you're hoping an audience like of young people like today, what, what are you hoping they're walking out of that with? Like, what is it? If you could summarize, if you could put it into like in a, a succinct thought, sure. yeah. what is it? I would say love yourself. That as cheesy as that sounds, 
uh, it's challenging to go after your dreams. It's challenging at times to be told, no, that's not going to happen for you. You know, when I wrote my first published book, uh, we were turned down by over 24 publishers over the course three times over the course of three years. When I came out with a television show, we flew back and forth between New York and LA, and I heard things like, Sean, nobody can relate to a little man in a wheelchair. Sean, no, the only reason why you got to work in the White House is because of your disability. Sean, you know, maybe you can just speak to students, but why should adults listen to you? And we got that book finally published. We got that TV show finally on the air, just from my sheer vision of saying, you don't see what I see. And that's why when I show up into an audience like today, my goal is to let these powerful young men and women uh, to, to learn that your vision has to be so clear that no one else might be able to see it. But if you see it, that's what matters. I know that you, you did um, the movie, uh, The Three Foot Giant. That was a TV show. TV show. Oh, sorry. The yeah. TV, yeah. TV, sorry, yeah. TV show. I meant that. Sorry. And that was a lot of work for you to get that done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I know the story a little bit background because you told us. Yeah. You, but yeah. It's, it's a crazy story. But you connected more with something else. Yeah. So. Tell that story. Yeah. So I, it took three years to get that TV show. Um, I, it took three years to get that TV show. Um, they spent a half a million dollars to make that show, uh, and only about 70,000 people saw it. And then, fast forward a couple of years, I'm sitting, uh, procrastinating, working on a project, and I turn on my uh, webcam, and I hold up post-it notes, and, because I had lost my voice that day, and I, I normally would make little videos, but this day I just decided to write my message on post-it notes, and that video took me two minutes to film. Uh, other than the equipment that I had, it didn't cost me anything. And that video uh, went viral and started going up one million views an hour until it reached over a quarter of a billion people. Wow. And uh, why is that? Do you think, what, what do you think the difference is? Why was that? Why did that connect more than anything? Why did that connect with a quarter of a billion people? Yeah, I think well, that... And what was, the, what was the ultimate message? The ultimate message was... Uh, I'm sorry you have to go through the pain in your life, but it's what's making you stronger, so I wouldn't take it away from you. Um, and you gotta love yourself, you know? And, um, and the reason why I think it went viral to that level is because I was just loving them. And I wasn't asking for anything in return. There was no marketing pitch. There was because I've had people say like, "Oh, you should put a logo on that, and you know, you should get paid to do that." And I said, "The moment somebody can smell that there's a corporate agenda, that there's money attached to it, and I'm all for money. I think it can do a lot of good things. But the moment somebody feels like they're being sold something, it has a different aspect for virality." Does it feel sincere? It could, it could feel sincere. I mean, there's some the great commercials, yeah. but people love spreading great content that the only mission is to just do good. And, and, and that went, I mean, Stu, I could do things for the rest of my life and I may never have an accomplishment in terms of reach like that. That was hard to believe. I just kept hitting refresh. My, uh, it, it, it filled up my heart and my head because I was like, holy cow, look at this thing. And day after day, it just kept going. It's bigger than a cat video. Huge, huge. I mean, I've never seen something go that viral. Yeah, that's amazing. So, all right, so today, 2018, where where are you in your life now? Where where do you where would you place yourself on your journey of life? 2018. 
So where I'm at in my journey, I'm now, this is gonna sound interesting, but I'm making this, I feel like a, cheesy as this sounds, like a caterpillar that's now like curled up and I'm, I'm going from this crazy extrovert who's traveled the world doing all these speeches with all these people. I'm actually now exploring my introverted side. I'm spending a lot of time by myself. I, I bought myself a motorized wheelchair besides this manual one. So I, I get up in the morning and I head out to my favorite coffee shop with a journal. And I'm really getting to know me and figuring out some of the things that are important to me. So like I'm working on a screenplay for a movie that I wanna write. I'm putting together a, a one-man show. I'm getting into stand-up comedy. So there's, there's this metamorphosis that's taking place based on me getting to know me versus feeling like I always need to be doing things for, for others. So where do you see yourself in five years? That's the, that's the ultimate question, is, you know, and it's hard to say because you're only judging yourself on where you are now. Sure. Where would I like to be in five years? Yeah, where would you like to be in five years? Uh, I would like my uh, comedy career to really have taken off I think that I could be even bigger as a comic than I've been as a speaker uh, because there's nobody like me out there. Uh, and laughter is so important right now on this planet. So it's fun to educate and teach like I did today, but to create moments where people can laugh, that's where we release the stress. You know, what if somebody could laugh in their day that then could cause them to not do something down the road that could harm somebody else. Like that's the power of laughter is releasing that stress. So five years from now, I'd like my comedy career to be really taking off, uh, taken off already. And I'd like some of my writing projects to be complete, like uh, my screenplay being turned into you know, a, a really good movie. Is your, is your screenplay about what? Uh, it's about, yeah, yeah, so I won't give you the total details. I might steal it. Yeah, well, I need to protect the intellectual property. 100%. Uh, but it's taking everything that I've learned as a therapist for the last 18 years and making it into a 90-minute uh, drama where people could never maybe go through therapy in real life, but that movie is therapy for them. That's fantastic. Um, so here's a couple of last, last few questions. Yeah, take your time. Um, if... If you could, if you could send a tweet out, no, screw that. If you could send a text message out to every human being on the planet, so there's a, there's a Tim Ferriss has a great thing about having a billboard. You know, if you could do one billboard in the world to say something for everybody, what would that billboard say? That like, your message, your thought, succinct. So I'm more modern. People aren't doing billboards. So text, you could text every person on the planet with something. What is it? I mentioned it earlier, but I still stand by it is love yourself uh, and take good care of yourself. You know, because there's a precursor to self-love and that's self-care. Because when you take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit, then you begin to trust yourself. And when you trust yourself, then you can begin to love yourself. But it's, it's a process. Care builds trust that then builds love. So I would say probably take, take good care of yourself so that uh, we can make this world amazing. Yeah, who inspires you? My wife, Mindy. She is uh, somebody who I could take three hours to explain something that she could explain in 12 seconds. Um, she will look at the things that I do and she'll be like, why do you have to do this in 13 steps? Let's do this in two or one. And I'm like, that's possible? And like, so being able to cut through the noise, she's incredible at, um, and she's taught me so much about leading with the heart and not always with the head because I've studied my whole career 
the head, the psychology of life, because I wanted to figure out my own insecurities. And her, her sciences and studies as a doctor were in heart intelligence and leading with your heart. So learning a ton from her has been cool. extremely valuable. I met her. She's all right. She's all right. She's all right. I'll keep her. Where, where can people reach you? Like, how do they get a hold of you? How do they, how do they connect with, with Sean? Yeah, I'm, I'm a lot of places. Uh, I would uh, check me out on Facebook. You can look at, uh, I think it's facebook.com uh, forward slash the Sean Stevenson. Um, another thing is you could check out my podcast, which uh, we'll, link, we'll link all this. In the yeah, show so my podcast, you can go to website theshawnstevensonshow.com. And what, what do you do in your podcast? Um, I help people be, find their message and their voice. Um, some people want to do that through blogging, some people want to do that through speaking, but I help people find their voice and get it to millions. As a speaker, what is the one thing you love? What is the one thing you don't love? I unify the crowd so that they don't need me anymore. And I love that moment where a crowd comes into a room and they're kind of looking around, even with adults, not just kids, uh, more so with adults probably, um, where they come in and they're looking around and they're not really talking to each other. And I take them on a journey of emotion for an hour. And then they're all connecting and hugging and laughing and talking. And when I leave and I'm watching from a distance that this crowd is now one, that's my favorite. Because that means I created more leaders, not more followers. Uh, my challenge, travel. Um, you know, as I get older, uh, it takes more out of me. Um, it's, you know, different climates, different food. I mean, when you go into different, uh, you know, you show up at midnight to a hotel, the restaurant's closed, and there's all kinds of challenges. And then you're like, you're hungry, you're going to bed, and you're like, okay, I got to sleep. And so just the, the tax of all the things that people don't see, that's probably the greatest challenge. Can you share? your most embarrassing moment that you haven't told on stage? Um, For me, one time, the stage collapsed. My stage collapsed when I spoke, and I fell through the stage. Holy cow. Yeah, I would just disappear. I just disappeared. And I was gone. I actually peed my pants. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. Personally, you want me to get here. But uh, just, ju just last week, I, I went to go on stage and uh, I uh, farted in my pants, you know, and a uh, little extra came out and I was like, I have to now sme speak now that I've sharted. And uh, <laughs> that was an awful, awful moment. This is why I listen to this podcast, because yeah. you get this interesting information from exactly. Sean. Sean, thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for changing lives. Thanks for being you. Um, don't change. I won't. All right. Thank you, buddy.